0: The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Cab, number 433, for Sunday, January 20th, 2013. Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Cab. The show where you send in your questions, you send in your tips, you send in cool stuff found. We answer as much as we can, we share as much as we can, and in the hour plus that we spend together every week, we all try to learn a lot new about the Mac, Apple products, and the world we all live in here. Here in Durham, New Hampshire, speaking of the world I live in, I'm Dave Hamilton.
1: <laughs> here in Fairfield, Connecticut, John F. Braun.
0: How you doing, John? Fantastic. We don't have Pilot Pete with us today but I do want to uh say we will actually have a special guest joining us mid show for a little bit uh in fact uh in in about 25 to to 30 minutes I expect that he will he will jump in here and we'll we'll do what we can to accommodate the uh him joining us uh, Paul Kent from IDG World Expo is going to be here to talk about Macworld iworld and hopefully share some of his own cool stuff found and all of that good stuff so the Paul Kent The uh. Paul Kent that's right yeah, so we'll have that coming up, but uh, but for now, and, and uh, perhaps even after Paul leaves us, depending on where we are in the pacing of the show, let's answer some questions. Let's share some tips. Let's find some other cool stuff found. First up is Mark. Mark says, over the years, I've installed version upgrades for many apps. A subset of them have multiple listings. If I do the open with gesture by right-clicking on a file and choosing open with, The attached image shows this, and it sure does. He's got, you know, four copies of Adobe Reader in there and six copies of Evernote. Lots of stuff. Here are two and one half questions. He says, number one, is this a problem others have? Is this of interest to all the MGG listeners? Yes, I have seen this myself, and I know many of our listeners have seen this. And two, how to fix it? How do I trim out all these redundant entries? Okay, The open with menu is powered by what's called the launch services database. Uh, And there are a couple of ways to fix it. One is to manually delete uh, the file that's out there uh, and that, that, that manages all this, Uh, the, the file, actually the, the way to do it, the way I would do it is first, I would quit all the apps that I have open and only have the finder left. And that's because at the end of this process, I'm going to reboot my Mac. So I quit all my apps. I go to my home folder. I go to library. Uh, which you can get to with the option key held down in the go menu. If you don't know of another way to get there, then go into preferences and find and delete the file that is com.apple.launchservices, where L and S in launch and services, the first test, are capitalized. Delete that. After this, like I said, reboot the Mac. You may not have to, but uh, but anytime you go and delete that kind of stuff where the file is likely open or uh, potentially cached in RAM, you, you know, rebooting immediately is a good idea. Um, the second way to do it is to reset launch services as a whole. And I would do that with Onyx. Uh, it's a free utility. Of course, we'll put a link in the show notes, but uh, but it's a great utility for for doing things just like this. And in Onyx, you go, you launch the app. Uh, once you have it up, you go to maintenance, you go to rebuild, and you go to launch services. And he, again, after that, I would reboot again just to be on the safe side. But, uh, but that, will, uh, that will fix this at least until you have more versions of more apps in the future, and then you'll have to do this again. It is, uh, it is sort of an ongoing thing, but that tends to fix it. And I believe it did fix it for Mark. I believe we shared that solution with him and heard back, and everything went well. Thoughts, cool. my friend? Yeah.
1: Did you mention a way to do this from the terminal?
0: No, I did not. Oh,
1: good. Okay.
0: So there are two ways
1: to do this. And actually, unless you like to live dangerously, then I think Onyx is the best way to go about this. But there is, um, I find several good articles here. Uh, the, the The most thorough one I found was the X at the X Lab. And there's a little link here in the... Uh, in the chat room and you could do it from the terminal as well. And I think it's accomplishing the same thing. So, so if you like the adventure of the terminal, you can certainly, in a, it, it involves or, or lists. I think one of the, uh, yeah, LS register, I think is the name of the database or, or okay. one of the parameters that you're providing um, to this terminal command that then clears that thing out. So. Cool. That'd be kind of interesting to just to see what's underneath the covers. If, if you're curious. But. Yeah yeah (laughs) be careful what you type
0: (laughs) yeah definitely 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 all right uh you want to move on to rob there john
1: yes and it's right in front of me amazing i got the pacing going here sausage is being made all right um dear favorite geeks oh that's nice all right i've seen some odd behavior from the mac app store application in recent weeks the app store icon in the dock has a 4 on it four updates waiting as you can see from the first attached screenshot it shows four updates but three of them are labeled installed the second screenshot shows the get info window for all three installed applications the same versions as the update being offered i've not yet clicked update all i saw similar behavior with angry birds bb and angry birds were shown as installed but the application icon had a three on it indicating three updates um I don't think I have to go much farther here. Okay. I think I think that's pretty much the gist of that this here. So, I, I agree. Uh, yeah, the other information is uh, it's always good to provide us. So, you know, what was provided was the, you know, system configuration, the OS, stuff like that. Uh, but anyways, I think I know what the problem is. Go. And I kind of surprised myself here. So, a lot of times you, you fix problems by getting rid of a plist or a preference file. And in this case... There is, as a matter of fact, a plist file, which I suspected would fix this problem, and it's in slash library slash preferences, and it's called com.apple.appstore.plist.
0: Now, that's in the, the not in the home folder, but in the very top Correct. to your hard drive, and <clears> then <throat> the library folder, which is visible in the Finder. Not, no, It's not hidden, so that's good. Right. I
1: think that's the the, the primary one is located there. I mean, uh, when I look, that seemed to be the most current no, one. No, that that so. makes
0: sense. Yeah, because the application, the App Store is a system-wide kind of thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, and, and one thing I noticed is that when I opened up the file, and it's a plist file, and if you uh, have um, Xcode installed, the developer tools, then it'll uh, open it up in a, you know, pretty nice and basic uh, uh, plist file editor, and it'll show... And there are basically two things in, in the PLIST file. There's a value or there's a name of something usually called a key or a string or whatever. And then the value of it. And there was one key that I noticed called available updates. Hmm. Now, mine mine was at zero because I didn't have any updates available. But I'm wondering if what's happening is that this file is stuck or corrupt or bad permissions or something and this field says yeah sure i got some updates and then when you actually check for them then it gets kind of confused saying oh well you know you told me <laughs> something about this so why don't i display it and it's saying it's in, it's installed so i think what happens is it tries to do the update realizes that it's already up to date so this file is telling the app store to do the wrong thing and and you're seeing a confusing result of that how does that sound sure <laughs> that's the only thing I could figure out for the discrepancy. I,
0: I know that it was a problem. I, I'm going to, I'm going to offer a quick correction here. Um, Oh, com.apple.appstore.plist is not in the main library folder. It is in your user, uh, home folder library preferences. So counterintuitively it is in the user folder, not in the main folder.
1: Oh, uh, okay. I'm so, mistyping a, uh, yeah, no problem. Tilda the in there.
0: That's what. Now the we're, other thing that I found
1: interesting is I also found another .com.apple.AppStore.plist file in Home/Library/Cookies. So, hmm. wonder if there's something in there that may be messed up as well. That's odd. Yes. Huh. So, and I guess you're looking, and you probably see it. So,
0: uh, hmm. I'm actually I'm not looking in cookies yet, but I will. Uh, yeah, I see one there. In fact, I have two in, uh, cookies. One is com.apple.appstore.plist. The other is com.apple.appstore.plist space hyphen space corrupt. I saw that too. Interesting. Hmm. I wonder what that cookies folder is. Yeah,
1: well, it could be the same thing. Some, you know, detailed settings about.
0: Yeah. And the one that's corrupt, I'm able to open, uh, I pulled it right up. Um, I, well, I, I will, I will do this as a pre segue into our sponsor. I I did it in BB edit, which is, which is what we'll talk about in a minute here. But, um, but it came up just fine uh, because that's how I edit text files from the terminal. Hmm.
1: Yeah. And like the other thing I mentioned, it shows you, you know, the, the, the keys in. Yeah. Cause it's pretty much an XML huh. file. So yeah. it's show, so that's it's right. displaying the keys. Hmm. Well, yeah. it's funny that it did open. I wonder if it's just an old format. Yeah,
0: I wonder if corrupt is a, uh, a you know a relative term. The file is not corrupt, but it didn't like it, and who knows? Uh, who knows? That's, that this is where it gets curious. But but uh, but I would imagine that that yeah, editing that file might do it. Uh, I do. Uh, let's see here. Now I'm now I'm screwing up my own pacing. But uh, but we did. We started to talk about edit, so I am going to talk about them as our first sponsor. Because they are our first sponsor of this show uh, from Barebones, of course, at barebones.com. Uh, BB Edit. And as you heard, it, it it's a text editor and uh, you can use it to do a lot of different things. Opening up plist files is, of course, one of them. And what's cool is if you're navigating around at the terminal, as I often am, um, I can type from the command line. I simply typed B. I got to this folder and I typed BB Edit space com.apple.appstore.plist. Space dash space corrupt and uh and up came the file in BBEdit. Edit. Fully graphical interface, just like I opened it from the Finder, uh right there in BBEdit. Edit. So it makes it really handy to jump between the terminal and actually a full screen, full featured editor as opposed to using something in you know terminal emulation uh, mode. Very, very handy for for that sort of thing. Of course, BBEdit Edit does a lot of other stuff. Um, it figures out what kind of file you're editing. And highlights the code accordingly. And, you know, to use this example again, it realized it was a plist file, uh, which is an XML file, as you pointed out, John. And it highlighted the code accordingly. It didn't change the code with these highlights. The colors are simply a display screen, a filter, if you will, that it shows you on the screen to make it a little easier for you to see and navigate through this file. So that's uh, that's PB edit. You can use it to edit HTML, uh, which I do all the time. In fact, I've got a file open right now that I'm using to edit our, our show notes as we, as we create the show here. Uh, so we've got some show notes up as soon as the show goes live for you. And, uh, and you can use it to edit JavaScript uh, C plus plus really any language that any of us have heard of is already baked into BB edited auto senses is what you're doing and it allows you to do all this stuff. I use it all day long. I, uh, I search through text files. I sort text files with it constantly. And uh, and it's just a handy thing to have around. So definitely check it out. If you buy it from the app store, you can buy it from either place. You can buy it from barebones.com. You can buy it from the app store. But here's the thing. If you buy it from the app store because of Apple's rules, they can't bake the uh, command line utilities that I talked about at first in. But you can if you bought it from the app store, you can go get them. You just go to barebones.com. You can download them. They are free and they will interface with your version of BB edit. No problem. So it doesn't matter where you buy it from. Check it out. Barebones.com or the app store BB edit. So while we're on this topic, John of, of updates that keep appearing, Tony had a, uh, had an interesting thing to share. He, uh, he writes, what does he write here? Now I got to get this up. Uh, he, he was having a bunch of, he, he was having printer updates. He, he said, uh, Every time I, uh, Oh, where is, where is he here? Oh, this is a big, long thing. He says, uh, every time I, I, uh, open up my computer, it prompts me to update my printer software, sort of like windows does. I've already downloaded the software and installed it directly from HP and have run the software update. I think successfully still, it prompts me every time when I say yes to it, searching a progress bar appears as it looks and eventually says it can't find the software on the server. And I can use software update later to check for it. It's getting frustrating. If memory serves, I've also had this problem with other USB direct printers. He, uh, he dug in a little more and he got back to us. He says the mystery is solved. The reason the updates were showing up is that I hadn't dismounted my external clone drive. And it was picking up the older drivers on there. I guess he had not cloned his, uh, his boot drive off to this external clone. And so it had the old version of the printer drivers out there and software update it. Things are weird. I've had software update update uh, images of OS 10. Like I'll, I'll take a a copy of like OS 10 lion or whatever, just to, you know, to have older versions or even the current version of OS 10. I've put them out on network attached drives and had software update see them and update them on my network attached drives. It goes everywhere. So it is good practice to make sure you don't leave your clone drive online. Uh, You want to eject it. You can leave it connected, but you want to eject it so that it is not part of what your system is looking at. And this is good for a couple of reasons. Obviously, Tony found this one. But another one is you don't want to accidentally open a document on your clone drive and then edit it there. And then when you run your clone later in the day, you're blowing away your changes that you've made. So it is good. Uh, And I know super duper will automatically eject your clone. um, You know, when it's finished making it, I believe carbon copy Cloner will do the same thing, but, uh, but that, so it's, you know, good lesson learned. Yeah, John. Yeah.
1: The only thing I was wondering about, and this, this is open for discussion here. I'm wondering if it would be a way to solve this problem. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if this is what was happening. So as, both you and I may know <laughs> and others may know, but uh when software is installed, or at least by the OS, uh it'll save uh, a receipt, which is a record of that. And um that's how the system knows what has been installed. Now, have you ever whacked a receipts file to try to get something resync, Dave?
0: Uh not in a very, very long time because I've found that doing that winds up leading me down a path of of hurt.
1: Okay. Yeah. But I'm wondering if what was happening in this case is that it was looking in the wrong place to figure out. Well, it was, it was looking on his clone drive
0: because once he, it was
1: looking in receipts and saying, Oh, you have this version. Let me
0: offer to install a newer one for you. So, well, that's what was happening. It was looking, but it was looking in the receipts folder on his clone drive. As soon as he ejected it, probably away.
1: Yeah. All right.
0: So a little trivia
1: for people. When you, uh, go to software update, uh, the way it knows, as as far as I know, so so you'll see a list of all the updates that have been installed, and that's I think pretty much a list of what's in the receipts folder. I think that's where it's getting it from.
0: Yeah. Yeah, oh. that's right. That that I would that that's absolutely right. Yeah. All right. And uh and sort of related, Brent writes, I have a strange issue that just started a few days ago. I have a twenty eleven iMac running 10.8.2. After I updated to the latest versions of Onyx and TweetBot via the Mac App Store. I noticed that the icons in Launchpad for these two applications were very pixelated and low resolution. And indeed, he sent us a screenshot that shows that I've tried a little Google Foo and did a bunch of fixes I saw listed in an Apple discussion forum. I reset the PRAM. He went through everything. He ran Onyx to clear out caches. He did all kinds of stuff. Reindex, Spotlight. Nothing seems to have done the trick. Uh, He says, certainly, I don't seem to be the only one suffering from this. What do you think? can happen how did this get here and so we talked about it and and he looked at the apps themselves Um, apps come with their application with their uh, icons bundled into them and you can go to the applications folder highlight an application go to the file menu and choose get info or command i if you prefer to do it that way and pull up information for the app and you can see the icon there and you you could easily tell if it's pixelated there versus in the uh, in the launchpad and for him, it was not pixelated in the finder, but he found the solution. He removed a file in home library application support. And then in the doc folder, he uh, he removed everything in there that ended with DB. So all of the docs database files and uh, and then he did uh, a thing where he, where you quit the doc by by typing a terminal command called kill all doc with a capital d um, kill all space dock and you could certainly do that or you could reboot uh either one would solve this problem as soon as he came back up with that everything seems to work so it's interesting how many things you know apple uses uh the dock to hang a lot of things off of and clearly launchpad is part of the dock service now so by uh by deleting that stuff it solved the problem so Thanks for uh, thanks for solving the problem, Brent, and thanks for sharing the solution, especially so that we were able to tell everybody else about it here. So that's uh, home library application support, and then in the application support doc folder, everything with a .db was deleted. That seems to do it.
1: Huh? Yeah. You know, we've actually had that solve some other problems. I think they've pretty much fixed them in the OS, but the doc used to have a big problem updating things or forgetting things. Yeah, uh, including the problem that we just talked about where you see updates in the doc, but then when you go to the app, it's like, huh? Right. (laughs) Or the app store. And we also saw it with iCal for the longest time where it wouldn't update the date, a minor thing, but it sounds like here, what happened is the, uh, the, the copy in memory. It sounds like it got corrupted. So once you did the kill all, it reloaded everybody. And then, and then life was good.
0: That's right. And in fact, uh, just in case anybody else sees this other symptom that he, that he saw kind of, uh, like I said, initially it was that these icons were, pixelated and and not as clear as they should be. But uh, throughout the process, after he did some stuff, but before he did this final solution, he actually was seeing different icons for those applications. So if you're seeing the wrong icons, same <laughs> the same solution is the fix, right? You you wipe out that dot DB file and uh, it's going to be a big, long thing. It's you know, mine is I don't know. it's It's got to be 20 characters long with dashes and hyphens and you know circles and arrows on the back of each one kind of thing. But uh, but there's only one there for me, and, and you blow that away, and then and then restart the dock with that kill all dock or reboot, and should be good to go. All right, I do want to say hi to everybody that's in the chat room today. Everybody uh, is there. We've got a, actually a full house here. MacGeekab.com slash stream if you're ever interested in joining us. If you follow us on Facebook at facebook.com/slash/macgeekgab. We always post it there as an event, so you'll know what time we're going to be. But we also post on Twitter, or if you have the Mac Geekab app, uh, you will get a push notification as to when we are live on the stream. So, Twitter.com slash Mac Geekab is the other way to find us. All that good stuff. We appreciate everybody joining us in the chat room. It's always a nice thing, and uh, and they actually help uh, all the rest of you too. Because if we happen and it happens, if we happen to get something wrong or or miss a piece of a key piece of information. Uh there's some really smart people there in the chat room that are right there to to catch us and and we don't have to wait a week to get you set back straight it's usually about 4 mm-hmm. minutes and then we we've got the answer so we really appreciate it it's a fun group and we have some fun before the show and after the show together too slash stream yep. so you think I figured on a, out how to multitask ahead. I think I finally
1: yeah. figured how to multitask <laughs> somewhat effectively.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we, John and I can't read the chat room in real time. You know, uh, we have to check in occasionally in, uh, during the show. But uh, but yeah, we pay enough attention there during the show that it's uh, that we catch stuff. It's good. Yeah. All right, John, you got a tip. Uh, we got a couple of tips to share. It looks like we got three tips to share in a row here. And uh, perhaps in the middle of these tips, we'll get uh, Mr. Paul Kent online. I don't know. uh, I don't know where he where he is in his day. I know what he's doing, because right now uh, the NFC championship game is being played. And of course, he lives in the San Francisco area. So uh, so, you know, this is a big deal for him. So we'll uh, but we'll see what happens. So go. You've got a tip to share, John. Gavin wrote in
1: and said hello or hey to all of us. Was just capping, was just, okay, take two. Was just (laughs) catching up on my Mac geek gap backlog and was listening to 425 when you addressed an issue with a listener who stated that Calendar in Mountain Lion no longer runs Apple scripts and he had to turn on Lingon to accomplish running his Apple scripts. However, Calendar will still run Apple scripts if they are saved as an application. In Calendar set the alert of an event to open file and select the Apple script saved as a a.app file. It will run and execute the Apple script. Just make sure when saving the Apple script that the checkboxes for show startup screen and stay open after run handler are unchecked, unless that's what you want to happen. <laughs> this may not be as geeky as digging into LaunchD, but it saves a few bucks by using the bundled software on the Mac. Thank you, Gavin. That was a good, good random tip to uh, help extend. <laughs> calendar can do i I haven't done that for a while but um yeah that's good
0: that's good i, I yeah. haven't gotten
1: that fancy with uh, with uh running apple scripts off events uh, or in the calendars of late but maybe i should
0: yeah i i um i it works it actually works great i stopped doing it um i, I guess i found another way it, it was before i started using busy cal that i abandoned that Uh, because I didn't like the way that iCal was handling alarms and stuff. It was a very limited thing, but yeah, it actually works. And you can do it uh, from BusyCal too. You can do the same thing. You can, you can run an Apple script. Certainly that's an application. You might even be able to run it as an Apple script itself, but definitely as an application. And there's no cost to doing that. As, as uh, Gavin points out, you just do it. What did I do one
1: time? I think I used it. Actually, we had someone who had a problem in the past that was, um, Sometimes the uh, system would not see their network volumes. So I think I wrote actually an Mm. iCal event to run this Apple script every five minutes saying, okay, could you mount this? Okay, could you mount this? And the thing is, if it was already mounted, it wouldn't complain. It would be just like, oh, all right. But if it wasn't, so it was, um, but but yeah, I think one thing was the level of granularity it offered was like, yeah, five or 15 minutes for for events. So That,
0: That might have been it. Yeah,
1: yeah. And there was no way to, to hack that, which, which was very frustrating. Yeah, we like to be able to hack All stuff. Right. That's right. I was like, no, I want you to run an event every 30 seconds. Can you do it?
0: No. But you could do that with Lingon itself, uh, as as yeah, oh, sure. alluded to our previous solution. Yeah. So, All right. Back on track. Back on track. <laughs> yeah. Brian uh, shared a, uh, a tale of woe, uh, both in our forums as well as in our um in our in our inbox, John, do you want to uh, do you want to share his tale of woe here for us? Oh, gosh, you're surprising me here. All uh, right. Well, it's, it's the next no. thing on the agenda, but I I'm, mean, I'm, I'll happily I'll happily read it. And, and then I've got it right here and then you you can you can start to kick off the answer. And I oh, know I got it. I got okay. it. Here. Go right. ahead.
1: So as a regular listener, maybe I have to condense some of it, but well, let's let's get rolling. As a regular listener, I just wanted to share my experience with you guys and all fellow Mac MacGeekApp listeners concerning my issues with iCloud. I have a 64-gig iPhone 4S, which has been behaving kind of strange as of late, so I decided to plug it into iTunes and do a restore. No problem, I thought, having done this numerous times with other phones. Anyhow, so I did the restore and then attempted to download the latest backup I made from iCloud. Everything was going fine until about a minute from the end of the restore when I get a message on my screen informing me the backup data was corrupt. I looked and noticed there were two other backups, only a day or two older, so I tried the next one. Exactly the same thing happened, and it happened to all three. So now I have an iPhone, which I cannot restore from either of the three available backups in iCloud. I called Apple Care and explained my predicament, and the only solution they had for me is to set up the phone as a new phone. Uh, luckily, uh, much of my data was in the iCloud, so this procedure was very easy. Um, the data being, I guess, calendars, photos, and, and whatnot. Uh, the only thing I could not retrieve were my text messages. I then, however, had to spend most of yesterday evening downloading all my apps from the app store. The bad news, however, is that I have lost a lot of data from one of the apps that I use regularly for uh, expenses and car mileage, etc. This has now made me very wary of the cloud. And I called Apple Care again this morning and gave them the following feedback. They were very helpful and said they could never recall a situation where the three backups were all corrupted. They ran a tool on my phone and they said it was good. My point to Apple was we all plug our phones into the power and let it back up to the iCloud. We have no way of knowing whether the backup was successful or not. If a backup is unsuccessful for whatever reason, or like mine, corrupted, then a message should come back to the device telling you this. It is not until you need to do a restore like I discovered yesterday that your backup is in fact corrupted and useless. Um, So I guess in in essence what he's saying is you may not want to trust iCloud. (laughs) Or at least in this case, he didn't. <laughs> well, he did, and he got burned. Yeah. Um, and actually, what he said, okay, you know, I was I was thinking of the suggestion, but he already offered it. As a precaution, I am now, once a week, going to be turning off iCloud backup on my iPhone, uh, which I don't know if he needs to do, uh, and doing a manual backup to iTunes in my MacBook. Please share this with everyone. So, thank you so much, Brian. And uh, I guess my feedback was unfortunately you were a victim of well a couple of things so i i don't want to wag my finger though maybe i don't know it's going to sound like that but well it's easy to say in retrospect so i don't blame him but i think that one of the things was just relying on one avenue for backup is something that you want to try to make sure you're not doing that's right um and both you and I Dave I think pretty much so even though I do time machines of both machines though they were, they're were certainly not the only place that I back
0: up my data is that Well, well what about important. your what about your iPhone? I mean cuz that's what that's what we're talking about with time machines actually, it's not going to matter. So what I do for so Brian. what I do with
1: the iPhone is all right so so to me and I think this is the nice thing about the iCloud backup is that it's pretty much transparent and that they happen I every now and then I'll look and I see them happening yep. but every once in a great while I'll do what I think um and Brian Uh, determined was a good course of action is uh, what I'll do is on occasion, I will manually force a backup uh, to the hard drive on the machine. That's running iTunes. That's talking to that phone. So here you eliminate the whole problem of, uh, you know, a single point of failure and that you have a backup
0: in the cloud and you have a backup on a local disk. That's right. And, and I think that's, that's the key right there is yeah. Trusting iCloud to me and it has worked for me and I've restored from iCloud before, uh, with great success, but I—I've always anything that I don't manage a hundred percent here. So iCloud, of course, the storage is managed by Apple. I don't trust it, right? Because I can't know that uh, if I don't make any mistakes, it's going to be a good backup, right? You just don't know that, uh, especially with iCloud. So. Um, so what I've always done is, is what you suggest, John, I let it back up to iCloud all the time because it's easy. Uh, but I also force that local backup. Now there's two ways to do that. One way works in every version of iTunes. Um, and that is, uh, it, if you, you know, if you have your phone set to back up to iCloud, it will not automatically back up to the hard disk. And I think it should, uh, but it won't. So you right click on the phone in the devices menu Uh, Or in the devices list there in in iTunes and choose backup and it will back it up. It's not clear what it's doing, but that will make it back up locally no matter what it's set to. So it's not going to back up to iCloud. Then it's going to make a local backup. And you can check that by going into iTunes and you go uh, into the iTunes menu and go to preferences. And then in preferences, click on devices And you'll see all the backups that you have for your devices. They'll be named here. Anyway, they'll be named after your device. You may see multiple backups for your devices. And that's because as you update each version of software, iTunes keeps the older backup uh, from the prior version of software out there and then creates a new one. You can remove these right here by highlighting one or more and choosing delete backup. So uh, this is where you can manage it, but that will do it. iTunes 11, uh, makes this a little more obvious and easier because they have a manual backup section right there. Uh, And, and it shows that it's, it's very clear uh, when you click on your, your device, it comes up and on that very first tab right in the middle, uh, there's a section for manual backup and it says, this will back up to your local machine and you click it. And sure enough, uh, it will shoot a backup to your local machine, regardless of whether or not you're set to back up to iCloud regularly. And I do, I think backing up to iCloud regularly is a good thing because when you're traveling or anything like that, you're still getting backups and hopefully they're not all getting corrupted on Apple's end. So that's, uh, I think that's our story there, isn't it? Mr. I think Brock, it's our story and I'm going
1: to say you should trust, trust no one of the X files, trust right. no one in that iCloud, SugarSync, Dropbox, whatever cloud service—I don't trust any of them. Not right. to say that they're a bunch of bums. <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> no, they they're all—they're all. They're all <laughs> okay, well, let's add some no, more not. cloud services to make more enemies. No, <laughs> I, I'd say those are my two favorites: is Dropbox, SugarSync. There, there are others. Oh, um, uh, crap. Well, you and I just started one of
0: my favorite things for probably the last year. Uh, I've really, really come around to crash plan. And I think we've actually got a crash plan question later in the show, but, uh, but that's become one of my favorites.
1: Yeah, but never um, to just choose multiple services. So I'd say the, the main ones I use are sugar sink and Dropbox. Yeah. Um, You and I just use Google drive because we're coming up into the new workflow. Yep. And I think what's another SkyDrive is another one. I think that's Microsoft. I think Amazon has theirs and there, there, there's tons just pick one or pick two. And and that's actually what I do. So I will have uh, mostly my documents folder. And you know, another part of this is you know, think about a good strategy for how you organize your data. Yep. Don't just spill it all on the desktop. Put it in in folders. So that then when you you know get to the point you want to choose a backup strategy, uh, everything that you need is going to be in the right place. And I cringe every time I see this, Dave, where I see a desktop where the the the, the organizational uh, model is is. Zero. <laughs> yeah. It's to throw everything in one place. So, and that being said, I think we, um, we got to, we got to, uh, uh, take a tangent here, Dave, but a good tangent.
0: Yeah. I think it's time to bring Paul Kent in. So let's see if we can get him, uh, added to our call here now. And indeed, we've had success. And I'm happy to welcome Mr. Paul Kent back to the show. Hey, Paul, how you doing, man?
2: I'm doing great. Good to be on with you guys again.
0: Yeah, it's great to have you. So this is the first time we've actually done this, where we've brought someone in mid-show uh, to do this. And, and it looks like, technically, we have uh, at least thus far succeeded. So that's that's a Mackie Cabell win right there, is what it is. So... You've got. We've got. Or one for you guys. That's right. We've got MacWorld Expo coming up. IWorld MacWorld IWorld twenty thirteen coming up. I'll get it right one of these days, Paul. And uh, and you are the man chiefly responsible for everything that goes wrong there. Right? Is that is that about the right thing to say?
2: <laughs> I, I delegate the wrong stuff to somebody else. If, if it goes right, it's me. If it goes wrong, info at iWorld dot com.
0: All right. Uh. So t- tell us tell us a little bit about what uh, what what we, we all know that that the show is this thing that happens uh, at the end of January out in San Francisco at the Moscone Center, but uh, but tell us what's tell us what's exciting there this year.
2: Sure. So like always, the show has some parts that people have come to know and love. We've got this trade show floor, which right now has about two hundred and sixty five exhibitors that are signed up. We think we'll get to. We're doing this about about two weeks before the show. We'll probably end up close to 300. Um, so you can come and you can see, and actually of those 265, somewhere around 40% of them are brand new companies to the show. And a lot of them are brand new companies. Period. So if you want to see what's, what's you know, innovative, what's new coming to market, it's a great place to discover new products. And it's also a great place to buy products. So many of the people exhibiting their products are offering show specials, so discount prices that you can't get any other time. So uh, that's one cool thing. Then there's all this learning that goes on. We have this – I'm uh, very involved. There's what we call tech talks, which we have some things going on in a really big stage, a room that holds around 1500, 1800 people. We're um, kind of big things that are going on in our industry. And then we have about 60 breakout sessions. We want to drill down further into some of those things. And I do believe my esteemed friend, Dave Hamilton is going to be doing one of those breakouts.
0: I am. Yeah. I've got, uh, I think something happening uh, on Friday afternoon at 2 PM. am we're talking about, uh, I'm talking about, how we're all going to manage our homes because now we're all home network administrators, or at least one of us is in every house. So yeah, absolutely, it be
2: fun. yeah, yeah. And so there, like I said, there's about sixty total talks that cover everything from what's new and interesting in iOS. You know, it's been a kind of an interesting year, in that we've had a release, a major release of iOS and OS 10 in the same year. And so there's lots to talk about. So we have. Sessions about the the cool new features, hidden features, little understood features in iOS and OS X. And then we break things down. The main stage is really, really interesting because on the main stage, not only are we doing kind of these topics, technical topics of interest, but we're also kind of highlighting really fascinating uses of Apple technology. We have the NASA Curiosity team coming to talk about how Apple technology was used in the landing of Curiosity on Mars. We have... um, uh, the Independent Film Channel is bringing Fred Armisen from Saturday Night Live out to talk about how he uses Apple technology as a musician and as a writer and uh, in, in all of his creative endeavors and a lot of other things that are particularly interesting. So the main stage of the Tech Talks are a lot of fun. It's only $100 for three days of education, something we used to charge about $350 for. We wanted to make this stuff more affordable to all consumers, and so the price point is really great at $100 up until the show starts and then there's all these social things that are going on all the kind of meetups and greetups and tweetups that get people together because you got to think about it you know everyone under that roof in the Moscone has a common denominator of being an apple products fan so uh there's a lot of interesting things that happen uh, impromptu things scheduled things company parties um, all, you know all these kind of fun things that go on so that's it it's product it's product discovery it's learning and it's meeting other people who have a similar interest to you. And that's what makes the three days so fun.
0: I, I agree. Yeah. And that's it. It's it's we all get to come together and 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 just share this experience together. And I it, it, it truly is, um, you know, my favorite trade show every year because because of that, because of the people, because of the community. And and you mentioned something, uh, but I want to mention it again. We've actually been mentioning it uh, off and on. Many people don't realize that you can come to MacWorld, iWorld now, and like you said, for a hundred bucks, you get to see everything that's not Mac IT, and and for the most part, most people coming aren't going to be focused on Mac IT, but you get all the sessions, everything for a hundred bucks, and so many people in their heads. I was talking actually to a good friend who's been a listener of the show for a, for several years. And he said, yeah, I'd love to go to macro. But, you know, I I, just, I can't justify spending a thousand bucks to see all the sessions. And I said, well, unless you're buying tickets for 10, man, you don't need to spend a thousand bucks. And uh, and so I just wanted to to reiterate that message because it is a change from uh, not last year, but but a change from from so many years of it. and And it's important for people to know that.
2: Yeah, as we've kind of modified the show's goals and purpose and audience over the last four years, where it went from kind of a semi-professional audience, you know, the kind of, you know, home business, um, you know, creative semi-professional, advanced hobbyists, it really is this ultimate iFan experience. So there's something of interest to anybody who finds the Apple world interesting, who finds Apple technology interesting. We price it for that audience now, as opposed to that kind of semi semi-professional audience. And it's been great. I mean, almost 3,000 people will attend training with us this year. Oh, that's awesome.
0: That's fa- wow. That's fantastic. That's great, man. That's great. So so how
2: about this? Go. So how about if uh, we just kind of get the juices going here a little bit? I want to do a couple of giveaways while I'm here. Is that all right? <laughs> sure. Sure. Take the reins. Go. Make everybody happy. All right. So the- I want to do is, is we can give away two iFan passes, right? And why don't we do this? Dave, do you have an email address
0: that people can send these entries to? They can send them to us at our normal feedback at MacGeekGab.com address. We will parse through all of this stuff for you, Paul.
2: All right. So let's start here. Everybody knows that you and I have this long history of playing in the Macworld All-Star Band together, right? That's right. And what year is this for us, Dave?
0: This is our 10th year as well. Actually, that's not true. This is the 10th year of Cirque du Mac, but it will be the um, is it we did the cooler in 2000. So this is our 12th year of playing music together.
2: You just got your driver's license back then, as I recall.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, a couple years before. That's right.
2: (laughs) All right. So here's the deal. If the, the first two people send all of the, mem- the names of all of the members of the current Macworld All-Star Band, it's been the same for many years now. So if you've been following the show, I'm sure you've heard of the Macworld All-Star Band. The first two people to send in this, the, the, the band list, the, the band member list of all the current members of the Macworld All-Star Band will give an iFan pass to. So you'll come as our guest. How's that? That's awesome.
0: That's fan yeah you folks send it in to us we'll uh, We'll find the first two and we'll get them off to paul and, and we'll make sure you're taken care of that's fan right. thanks for doing that
2: man that's great we're we're, we're so excited and, and actually add a bonus, you guys are going to be doing a, a Mac Geek gab. From the show floor at
0: the show, right? That's right. We're doing it on Saturday. We figured Saturday would be a fun day because there's a lot of people that'll be able to come. Uh, you know, they've got the day off of work because it's Saturday. And so we're doing it Saturday at one o'clock. John and I will be, uh, we'll be on the show floor doing a podcast. So we're looking forward to that.
2: And then the, the really cool thing about you guys on Saturday, everybody knows Dave is a world class drummer. After you guys get done doing a Mac Geek Gap, you can be like the Pied Piper and lead everybody upstairs for the closing ceremony <laughs> drum circle that we're doing, right?
0: Oh, I, are you doing another one of those? That's I had no idea. I'm I'm stoked. What time does that happen? Starts at four o'clock on Saturday. Perfect. That's perfect. Oh, that drum circle last year was so hey, there were what, maybe five hundred people. Uh you had uh you had Arthur Hall leading the drum circle, and there were like It was at least least 300, maybe 500 people right uh, there. And it was about 550, 550. And everybody was just it was just a a celebration of of the community. It was it was so, so cool. Everybody played the drums, whether you played or not. Didn't matter. Everybody played and there were drums for everybody. It was fantastic. It was what a way to end the show.
2: It is a lot of fun. You and I just by chance happened to be standing next to each other. And I know a lot of people are like, what is this drum circle thing? It's this hippie thing. We're all going out into Gate Park. But it wasn't like that. It was, this, it was this very coordinated, orchestrated, conducted thing. But like a great drum circle does, it created a vibe and connection. So after you know, three days of celebrating technology – we went analog for an hour, and it's just very visceral, <laughs> wonderful thing. Everybody has a really cool time. And uh, Arthur Hull is the master of the drum circle. He conducts the whole thing. There's drums for everybody. We think there's probably going to be closer to 800 or 900
0: people this time. So uh, it's a great way to end a very, very fun couple days. I agree. Oh, that's great. I'm so happy you're doing that again. I did not know if you were doing it, so that, uh, that makes me and happy. It's open to everybody. It doesn't matter what kind of pass you have. It's open to everybody. As it, as it should be. That's fantastic, man. Well, well done. That's great. That's great. And then, of I, course, um, go, no, go ahead. You were going to say something.
2: Uh, no, and, and then actually, I'm just going to prime the pump here. There's two more things I want to get in here. Okay. Uh, we're going to do, do one more giveaway. I got a really cool giveaway for someone. But I also want to tell people, as I'm telling you about this, we're, we're recording this on a Sunday night. Tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. Pacific time, we are going to have – one of the biggest announcements that we've had at Macworld iWorld, you know, in the 29 years that we've been doing it, we have a special guest coming, and the special guests are coming under a very special circumstance. So I'm under such tight reign right now, I can't even share it knowing that this is going to be aired a little bit later in the week. That's right. But it's absolutely awesome. I'm so excited for it. And it, like I said, it's one of the biggest announcements, one of the biggest appearances at Macworld iWorld that we've ever had. And uh, and so people, you know, you'll know that news by the time you're listening to this. When, when will this get up live?
0: Well, the, the, there are there are about 50 people, I guess, in the chat room listening live right now. So uh, but then then uh, the MP3 will be out later tonight. But the the, 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 the most of the people who listen, about 90 percent of the audience gets the AAC, uh, which will be out tomorrow night. So Monday night uh, typically is when people will start to get this. But as with podcasts, they'll be listening throughout the week. So
2: Dave yeah. and I are very good friends and, and I tell him just about everything. This is one I can't even share with Dave, so it's, um, we're really, I'm over the moon excited about this, and it's a huge announcement. It'll be right at 10 a.m. time tomorrow, and like I said, one of the coolest appearances of uh, presenters ever to come to Mackle World. It, it's, it's just fantastic.
0: That's awesome, man. That's awesome. You're getting a little skype I I don't know what's up with your connection, but, uh, but we can still understand you, so it's, uh, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, all right, well, you said you had another giveaway, Paul. While well, we got you here. Can we, can we lay that on?
2: All right, let's do it. The hits just keep on coming. So uh, we also have this great attendee party called the Maxwell Die World Blast. And it's, it's concert. It's networking. It's just a lot of fun. In past years, we've had, we've had Cheap Trick performed one year. We had Devo perform one year. That was a lot of fun. Last year we had Modest Mouse. That was a lot of fun. This year, our featured performer at the Viral Blast is the incredibly legendary band, Cheap Trick. Oh, excuse me. Incredibly legendary <laughs> band, Little Feet. Uh, yeah, Cheap Trick was a couple years Yo- ago, Paul. Little Feet's this year. Yeah, thank you. Little Feet, that's what I meant. And um, so that happens on Thursday night. And on Thursday night, um, I want to give away two passes for people to come and see Little Feet on the Mac Geek Gab show. So let's see what we think would be good. I I think we should do something.
0: Let's do something drummer related. What do you think, Dave? We can do something drummer related. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Did you have something in mind or are you putting me on the spot here?
2: Well, I don't. I, I was thinking like, you know. Who's who is Little drummer right now, Dave?
0: Oh, uh, their drummer right now, I don't know his name off the top of my head. He was uh, he 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 took over when when Richie got uh, when when he got sick, and then of course when he passed away. Uh, but I'm I'm looking so it let, up here. So,
2: so Richie Hayward, you know, one of the great all time drummers, right?
0: Oh, uh, he was, yeah, man. He he had that groove that nobody else could ever figure out. He's 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 up there on a pedestal, absolutely.
2: All right, so. Someone create an anagram out of the name Richie Hayward and send it into Dave's email address. And Dave will pick the top two. He'll announce it on the show. And, uh, and that's how we'll figure out who it is. How's that?
0: That's outstanding. Richie Hayward, R-I-C-H-I-E-H-A-Y-W-A-R-D. Make an anagram. Send it to feedback at com. We'll share probably lots of them on our, our Twitter stream because I'm sure we're going to get some good ones in. But, uh, but the best two will, will get tickets, right? Two tickets? Two tickets. Awesome. Awesome. That's outstanding, fun. man. Yeah. We're having some fun. That's good. That's what we do here. That's uh, that's why we get together every week. We try to have some fun and we learn. And so that's good. Speaking of learning, uh, I would love before you go, uh, I would love to have you share uh, a little something with, that we do here that we call "cool stuff found," which is just things that uh, that we like. It can either be a tip that we have found, or an app that we have found, or really anything that just sort of enhances our uh, Mac or iOS or, or daily life. Typically relating to a computer, but it hasn't even it that that's not even a hard and fast rule. Would you happen to have one or two things that you might want to share with uh, "cool stuff found" here?
2: All right, first, cool stuff found. I have to do a lot of presentations, and, um, and uh, as I try and move more of my life over to an iPad, finding the perfect tool for presentations has been challenging. And so uh, having looked high, you know, and the thing is Keynote is cool, but not everything about, you know, a lot of people are in the PowerPoint world. Not everything from PowerPoint comes over cleanly into Keynote. What I really, really like is this app and service called Slideshark, S-L-I-D-E-S-H-A-R-K. And the nice thing is, is you can load your PowerPoint presentation onto your account at the Slideshark website, and then it becomes immediately available in your Slideshark app. And it has all of the things you really need if you're you you know, you're doing a lot of presentations. It lets you set timings and, and, and transitions, all these types of things. But the really, really key thing for me is that it, it's the only app I've found so far that takes PowerPoint speaker notes and makes them available on an iPad. You know, there's, there's little things that let you just get the, the presentation over from one one format to another. But all those notes that I need in order to kind of effectively give my presentation. So yeah.
0: Slide Slideshark.com and Slideshark app is particularly cool. Very cool. Well, awesome. That I, I had never even heard of that. And that's the point of cool stuff found is to share exactly that stuff. Is is that all you got? Or you got one more for us?
2: Well, I'm uh, just got to do some music here because I listen to a lot of music right now. I'm in some crazy alt country, you know, phase of my life and listening to a lot of Ryan Adams and um, Ryan Adams released bootlegs. They're all on iTunes. It's called uh, Life After Live After Death, D.A.F. And he did a solo uh, acoustic tour through Europe. Um, I think 12 cities you can buy every individual show. You can buy any individual song or you can buy the whole set of all of them. And it's just Ryan, his beautiful voice and great guitar playing and mostly just fantastic, fantastic songs. And so uh, the, uh, my contribution to cool stuff is, is uh, is a music thing as well. Ryan Adams live after death.
0: All right, cool. Well, we will put a link to that in, uh, in the show notes. Cause that's, that's how we roll. That's awesome, man! Hey, Paul, thanks so much for coming on. It's good to talk to you. I can't wait to see you.
2: Yeah, we got some rock and roll to do, don't we?
0: We do. In fact, I, get, I was thinking yesterday that I need to start learning some of these tunes because I don't know all the tunes that we've <laughs> added this year. So yeah, it, yeah. In fact, I think even some of the ones I added, I don't know. So I got to. Uh, I got some work to do, but that's okay. That's it, that's that's Yeah, what, yeah. I got a week and a half before rehearsal, right? So I think I'm good.
1: Plenty of time. (laughs) And most people do their best work at the last minute.
0: Uh, Oh, good. So I I have a week and a half before I have to start rehearsing. Is that right?
1: What do we (laughs) got? We have
2: about 40 songs that are in our back pocket, supposedly, and about 25 songs that we learned. So 65 songs. No problem. No problem.
0: Right. Uh, You know, and then we'll whittle them down. And and you pulled the uh, the short straw. So you're band leader this year, which is fantastic (laughs) for me. (laughs) So
1: yeah, so
2: learn
0: your damn songs. That's right.
1: <laughs> that's right. Uh, Paul, quick question. I'm I'm looking and I I think I'm seeing. You know, just to help me when I when I get there, what what to look for. But I uh, is there anything particularly like I'm looking under special events here? Is there anything that's brand new or really grown this year as far as you know things to look for? I've, I know you guys are always you know tweaking the, the the format and all that. There's the traditional stuff, but is, is there any of of these things that you'd like to highlight? Absolutely. So one major theme that's going to come out of this
2: year's MacWorld die world is the field of iPhoneography or iPhone photography. And we have a lot of special things uh, to s- support people's interests. So we we have a full day event on Wednesday, the 30th. actually start at 8 a.m. and goes until 9 p.m. 15 percent. Yeah, it's a really long day very intense, but a lot of fun, a lot of content. Uh, And 15 masters from the iPhoneography world will be talking everything from composing shots to, you know, going through the best features of the best apps out there, the added on tools, storytelling through iPhoneography, all those types of things. So there's a there's a full day workshop, then the two leaders of that full day event are going to be doing a main stage session on uh, Thursday about the future of iPhone photography. And then each of those um, speakers are also doing a breakout session. We've got a lounge, uh, that is an art gallery of iPhone photography, works of art. Uh, and, um, what else, what else? Oh, we've been running a social media contest where, um, people can submit their photos for, um, critique by, by some of these instructors. So iPhoneography is a huge theme of this year, music and film. Also, you know, we started down this path of developing this very, I, I like to call it a technology arts festival environment, where where all different types of arts that are that are using Apple technology is brought to life at the show. We've been running a social media contest for the past couple of months, where bands from around the country, over 300 bands entered uh, the contest, uh, and they had to get through. Uh, you know, both attendees and fans could go on our website and vote for the for the bands that they like best. We've whittled it down from over 300 bands to two bands, and the two finalists are coming to the show. They're going to do uh, – they're going to kind of pitch their band uh, in front of a panel of industry experts. Uh, the CEO of Sonic Bids will be on the panel. Um, um, a couple of the members of Little Feet are on the panel. David Mash from Berkeley is on the panel. Mm-hmm. And it's really kind of cool because the the winning – it's kind of that, like that show Shark Tank. Um, the winning band will then have to get their butts over to the mezzanine. They're going to go open for Little Feet that night the runner up band will um, do a private concert uh, right after as well. So music and how Apple technology is influencing music. And then we've got our iPhone film festival where we've got direct talks. We've got a screening premiere at the iPhone film festival. So music, iconography um, and, and um, film videography are three major themes along with how the, um, how the two IO, uh, the two OS's are evolving. So that would be the main thing. And then of course, like I said, you know, we really should talk. The show floor is fantastic. I mean, on the show floor, there are going to be close to 100 app developers, many of them bringing their company or their product to market. And then, you know, the rest of the developers that are there, you know, there's all sorts of products. There's there's three or four um, output manufacturers, imaging manufacturers. Um, there's all sorts of accessories. Um, you know, everything from, you know, how to increase battery life or, or have an extra battery, cases, um, Let's see. What else? Lots and lots of software, Um, utilities, hardware, software, storage, lots of hard drive manufacturers. So if you're looking for great add on products to your iPad or your Mac, the show floor is going to have a lot of stuff. And there's tons of specials for you to go shopping as well.
0: Awesome. Well, that's great. That's that's always a fun thing because it's great. uh,
1: Yeah. Good stuff. I especially I especially like how you provide a venue for uh, smaller developers. Uh, and manufacturers to showcase their product you know like some of us have called it tiny town or whatever where it's uh, you know, a small space but actually if anything the benefit and usually this is one of the first places i go is that there's very high bandwidth and that there's so much to see in a you know small amount of space here and you're, you're dealing face to face with the developers and these people who otherwise wouldn't get exposure are at you know the event so yeah i, I always find that one of the best parts bear some discussion
2: because it's, yeah, I think it's important um, our our world our industry is populated primarily by these small innovative companies I mean you know it 's a very different world than you know in the late '80s early '90s when there were ten companies fighting it out to be who was going to be the word processing software king and who was going to be the you know spreadsheet king and you know it 's just a very different world. App companies by and large are not huge you know, businesses in terms of number of people that they're employing. So, you know, the vibe of our show in order to accurately reflect, and I guess you could, you could somewhat say if you were to go into an Apple store and walk back to where, you know, what is on those walls in the back, you know, software is not even on the walls anymore because they want to drive everybody to the app store. But I mean, if you really kind of look, you know, what is what is the aftermarket market in the Apple world? A lot of it is accessories and utilities, storage, output, imaging, and so we have all the companies that are coming, they come to Macro. they come to announce their company or product, and they roll up their sleeves to kind of um, you know, start doing business in our world. And so being able to bring in those small companies and, and tuning the way the chip floor works has been a very important vibe of the, of the uh, evolving aspects of the Macro chip floor.
0: Awesome. All right. Have we got have we hit everything? We've got we're giving away stuff, right? So remember to send in your uh uh your your entries for both of the contests to feedback at MacGeekab.com, right, Paul? We we're giving away uh two iFan passes to the person the the first two people who can name all uh all of the members of the Macworld All-Star Band, current members of the Macworld All-Star Band. Though there would be bonus points, perhaps, uh courtesy of us maybe some Cirque de Mac tickets, if you can tell us who, uh, all of the members, because there have been a couple of floaters in and out over the years. And uh, and so that's that. And then uh, an anagram uh, with Richie Hayward's name, the best two, to feedback at com get you tickets to see Little Feet on Thursday night at the show. Did I miss anything, Paul? Come to the show.
2: I think it's Yeah, come to the show. Show, I mean, like I said, uh, uh, even if you don't win the Fan Pass, it's a hundred bucks for three days. Um, there's lots and lots of offers out there right now for exhibit passes. We've, we've given you guys some uh, incentives to give away some exhibit
0: passes, right? Yep, we do. And in, in fact, we'll we'll put a link in the show notes. If uh, if all you want's an exhibits pass, you're going to miss out on a lot of great stuff. But if if that's all uh, all you can do, uh, certainly come and have fun, and uh, and we can we can help you out with that too with a, with a, an exhibits pass.
2: So it's all good if you're a listener to this show, you're an Apple industry follower of some kind, or definitely an Apple product user. And you know, Macworld is where everybody comes together uh and has a lot of fun, kind of celebrates the living and working in this industry.
0: That's it. That's it. Thanks for coming, Paul. I appreciate having you, man. And I look forward to seeing you in uh in a week and a half.
2: A week and a half. Dave and John, thanks so much. Thanks, Paul. All right, guys.
0: All right. Well, that was awesome. I'm glad Paul was able to join us, John. That was, uh, and it, it seems like we were successful with our, our technology. I mean, you know, he would, I don't know what kind of connection he was on. He was a little Skypey and, uh, yeah. but, you know, uh, certainly under- understandable. And, uh, and, and so that was fun. That was good. All right. Uh, we, we don't want to just wrap up on that because we've got so much great stuff to share. Um, I, I want to play Albert. All of it. Oh, all right, go. It all. Yeah, but Albert's... So I want to play Albert's comment here. So uh, okay. so we'll go from Paul to Albert here.
3: Hi, John, Dave, and Pete. Just a quick one for cool stuff found. Dave, you mentioned Lisa, your wife, found the shortcut to open Goodreader for any web page currently displaying by simply adding a G in front of the HTTPS or HTTP on iOS in Safari or Chrome or whatever other browser you use, OnePassword recently updated the new OnePassword app version four to four two version 4.1 and added similar support. Yeah, you can simply add O P to get similar functionality and open the specific web page in OnePassword to automatically fill in your username and password. Still, you would unfortunately have to continue using one password after you've logged in, but at least it makes our lives a bit easier. Cheers. Hey, thanks
0: so much. That's uh, I love that. I had no idea that existed uh, and I probably should have, but I didn't. So that's uh that I, I'm, I love one password so that, and it's, I, I am constantly using it on iOS because, uh, because I don't know my passwords. I have them all different for everything. And that's the idea. So cool. It's crazy, man. <laughs> It is, you know, I, um, we, we didn't talk about this last week. I, I wanted to talk about it now, just in case any of our listeners are unclear. Uh, and, and this will lead into a, a question from Alan in a moment here, John, but I wanted to talk briefly about the Java scare that, uh, that, uh, the, the, I guess it was the government at some level said, you know, oh,
1: Homeland use... security That's issued
0: it. a warning saying disable Java. Right. And, and and they they were unclear about it. What and they yes, were and co- that's
1: why I, I I did what I did. Yeah, I'm sorry you picked up on it, but it was like, all right, guys, you're 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 dealing with an audience that may not understand the technical nuances of what you're saying. So I hope they didn't create too much of a panic about Java or damage the reputation of it because it is a useful technology. Totally. And and personally, I think they kind of overblow it, but. Uh, to go back
0: to you, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, they, they, they blew it, is what they did. Okay. Because, uh, here, here, let me, let me mean explain. me, it freaked people out. Yeah. All, but,
1: all of a sudden, now, everybody here is Java. Oh, my gosh. You know,
0: DHS said,
1: don't use Java. Panic. It's right. like, all right, it's, it's Th- not that that's,
0: bad. That's not what they meant, because there's plenty of software out there, uh, and, and as we said before, CrashPlan is one of them, that runs Java and it is still perfectly safe to run java applications on your mac or really on on any computer where this flaw was that they found was in the way the browser plugin for java worked it was it possible and still is apparently possible to visit a website that invokes the java browser plugin that will then potentially cause uh, you know could potentially exploit this security hole and so The issue is with only with the Java browser plugin. Uh, And we've got an article on TMO about how you can update your browser plugin without messing with the version of Java that's on your computer. But it's still possible that this new browser plugin may still be vulnerable to this. But if it is, it is, again, I I have to say this. It is only the browser plugin that was potentially impacted by this potential flaw. So, so go. So. What you're trying to say,
1: and I'm helping you here. Yeah. So are you are you trying to say that there are two different invocations of Java, one that is done through the operating system to support programs like CrashPlan, and then another version of Java that is done as what we call a plug-in or an extension of Java? the functionality of a browser like Safari. Is, is that where you're trying to say that there are two distinct flavors here and that you shouldn't confuse the two? That,
0: that's exactly <laughs> what we're saying here. Yeah. No. As
1: far as when to panic. So somebody said, what they should have said is the browser plugin version of Java. And maybe they did, but it, 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 it didn't come across that people, way. For most people, they would glaze over that nuance and say, Java bad, table Java. And all of a sudden you have everybody, and and I even got a shh, I don't know if I'm going to wag my finger or shake my fist, but all of a sudden I had all these people in my Twitter stream, some of them who I respect in the security realm, who were forwarding these things saying, disable Java now. And I'm like, oh, come on. You're freaking people out. <laughs> Back to you. But yeah, just had to vent a little bit because uh, uh, I, I actually would like to talk to someone who, you know, I should have. You know, I was spending time with the family over the weekend here, doing various things. I should have asked my, like my sister, who you have, uses a computer but doesn't understand the difference. Like, yeah, have you heard about this? I, I'll ask her. I'll, I'll say, Sue, have you heard about Java? And, and see what
0: she. says. yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah, because so so that's it, and and it and it's actually um, what you said is exactly right. You can run one version of Java in your browser plugin and another on your Mac. And in fact, that is exactly what you should be doing because you should be running one point for Java 1.6 on your Mac, unless you know better uh, Java 1.6 is the last version that Apple has released. And it, it's like, you know, 1.6 rev 32 or something. Um, but but most apps that are written for people like you and me to use uh, are written for Java 1.6. If you install Java 1.7, things like CrashPlan, I believe, will stop working. Um, it, you no, know, it works fine. Oh, uh,
1: are you, sh- I updated? Yes. Okay. So you're running on my mountain lion machine. I did upgrade to the Oracle version of Java 1.7 and crash plan still works.
0: Did you install the JRE, which is the browser plugin or the full JDK, which is the whole thing. <laughs> I
1: because- installed whatever the Java environment said was required to upgrade me to 1.7, which included an upgrade to the security warning level. Which I think it's part of the whole scare.
0: Here. All right, so what happens if you go to your terminal and type Java-version? Good one. Because I think you're probably still running one six, because I don't think Crash Plan runs on one seven without some tweaking. Uh and, and and that's where it gets confusing. The JRE, which is which is what most of us would would install, is uh is the browser plugin, the JDK is the full thing. And, and really I, I, I would advise you not to update that to 1.7 because oh, right. things will break.
1: Okay. All right. So going to terminal Java space dash version, one dot six dot O underscore three seven. Yep. And then, yeah, I suspect. So my browser plugin version is now the latest.
0: Correct. Which is one, 1. seven on something. Correct. Yeah. So, and, and that's good. That's exactly what you should be doing. And, and in fact, uh, I'll take it one step further. You probably should disable the browser Java plugin unless you know, you visit sites that need it because there are m- most sites don't. There are a couple that I use. Okay. Most
1: sites. There are one or two sh- services that use Java for printing things like okay. coupons and, yeah. and fun stuff like that. Yeah. But there are sites that I trust. So, uh, but surrounding this whole thing, I but, think but I, whole let, me, com- let me, let me, let me just
0: get one point out. There is a difference between Java in your browser and JavaScript in your browser, JavaScript, you should leave on because pretty much every website known to man these days relies on it at some level. And it is perfectly safe. Java. uh, Most websites don't, but again, if you go somewhere that needs it, you'll know. Uh, So you can leave that turned off. So there you go. I I will, I I will turn it back to you, my friend. And perhaps uh, I I can actually lead us into Alan's, Alan's question. If, uh, if, if that's, if, and that's probably the right way to go. Alan, uh, to, to boil it all down essentially asked how can I limit the amount of RAM that I, I, he looked in in activity monitor and saw this Java process eating up you know almost 800 megabytes of real memory how can it's and he, and he surmised probably correctly that it's the Java process that used by crash plan so how can he limit the amount of memory that crash plans Java instance uses and I throw this to you my friend
1: how All right, so I found an article and this was my suggestion. So there is no way from what I can see for you to directly control the amount of, uh, uh, Java is kind of its own world. Programs written in Java use the Java process to do what they need to do. And there's really no way to change what Java is doing, but the things that use it, can, uh, you can change how they behave. And I found an article, um, let me copy it, we'll put it in the room here, and we'll also link to it in the lovingly handcrafted show notes, which I usually I've, I've got for, it already but, in both places, so. Oh, you got Go. it, great. Yep. So, So basically what they're suggesting is that what you may want to do, which could, so one, I was asking, why not only look at what Java is using, but look at what the crash plan process is using? But basically the article suggests what you may want to do is one, switch from using the 64-bit version of Java to the 32-bit version of Java. And again, to be clear, we're talking about the Java that's run, the the 1.6 that I just found I'm running in in the Mac OS X world and not the Java plugin. That's different. Um, And this article goes into some detail about how to change both the version of java that you're running in that if you're running a 32-bit version and for the most part you can run 32-bit programs under mac os 10 which is for the most part 64-bit and they'll work yep now actually this is actually kind of a clever way of doing this is one of the benefits of 64-bit Uh, software is that it can access much more memory so actually I kind of like this article because it suggests something that's kind of unconventional is that well why not run the 32-bit version of something you probably won't suffer any performance issues. And if anything, because it's used to dealing with less memory, maybe it won't be such a slob about claiming system memory.
0: We, you know, we do. It, it's funny. I hadn't seen this article before, but we do exactly the same things. Both things that the 64 bit to 32 bit change and also limiting the maximum amount of RAM that uh, the Java process can consume. We do both of those things with our uh, ad server, which runs under which is a Java app. And uh, and it makes a huge difference. I mean, we, our our resource usage went way down, and we suffered absolutely no performance hit whatsoever. The 64-bit right. version of Java is, by and large, for the most part, uh, just a, a hog. And and so well,
1: it's it's well, it it's expecting an environment that can handle 64-bit computing. So if you're trying to run that and you have a gig of RAM, then you're going to be in for a world of hurt. That's right. <laughs> Um, but you know it's interesting. The other thing, so so to, to because you kind of glossed over it, Dave. But this article mentions it. But I, I want to also mention that what you said is important. And not, is not only can you change the parameters to say launch a 32-bit version of Java, but you can also tweak the parameters that tell Java, all right, this process probably needs this much. It needs it definitely needs this much, and don't give it more than this. And you can tweak how much memory Java will try to give it. Uh, and I think that's really the important part here. So hopefully those will um, work out for Alan. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Uh, and then not just focusing on the Java, but but focusing on on the crash plan use of it, I, I think is and using
0: the thirty two bit version is going to yeah, that's smart. Hopefully help. That's smart. I might do that on my on my Mac downstairs just for because why not. Uh all right, well, we're running way later than we usually do here, but we had Paul on and uh actually it's not that much later it's we're it's yeah but Bad uh <laughs> yeah, but you know I, I there there were a couple of things that I just wanted to throw out here number one uh Scott had a great little tip that again you know is one of these things that, that there are many things that that we as geeks and and i I'd say that certainly about john and i and and many of us as our listeners, but not all of our listeners do on a regular basis without even thinking about it. Um, and, and certainly this one that we're going to talk about here quickly is one that we've mentioned in passing, but never really explained. And it is uh, Scott mentions, he says, I had to use a website which required internet explorer. Uh, and when I visited the website, it stopped me immediately and said, you need internet explorer, go get it. Well, well, Internet Explorer doesn't exist on the Mac. So he's got two options. One is to get a Windows machine or, or use VirtualBox or or VMware or Parallels or something where he can run an actual copy of IE. Number two is that you can tell Safari to identify itself as though it were Internet Explorer. And I've done this before, and it works in a lot of cases. The, the web server on the other end says, ah, you've got Internet Explorer here. I'm going to serve you all this content. Know that if you do this, it might not work because there's a reason the developer uh, potentially there should be a reason that the developer is limiting the browser. It's your Safari is still they hate Max. Yeah. Safari is still it's often it's lazy developers. But but sometimes there's reasons that like you're using very specific Internet Explorer only features. And and so you want to limit that. But um, by doing this, this change and it's a very simple thing and we'll explain how to do it. By doing this, you are simply having Safari tell other tell all the hosts that it is Internet Explorer. It is not changing the way Safari interprets what it gets. It's still rendering everything as though it is Safari. So, again, don't expect magic here. If there's some Internet Explorer specific feature that was required for this website, things will break or look wrong. The way you do this is first you've got to go to Safari. Go to the Safari menu, go to Preferences, and go to Advanced. At the bottom of that uh, little window there is uh, an option that you need to check that says Show Develop Menu in Menu Bar. Once you do that, you will, as you might expect, get a Develop Menu in your win- in your Menu Bar just before the Window Menu. Go there, and uh, in the Develop Menu, the second option is user agent this is where you tell safari what to advertise itself as again for most websites there is no reason to do this and you probably don't want to do this but on some it makes a big difference and you can. You can pick which version of Internet Explorer. You can say you're on an iPhone. It is an interesting way to test stuff um, sometimes. But not, again, you're not rendering with like if you put Firefox in there, you're not rendering with the Firefox okay. engine. So, you know, you, you still want to test those things there. But it is a way to advertise and make the, the computer on the other end think you're not using Safari. Um, and it only works for the the live tab. It will, it, it, or, and live the, the very frontmost window is the only one that changes. In my experience, the rest of your open windows and tabs will still continue to launch as though they are Safari. So, uh, so just bear that in mind. So thanks Scott. Uh, I appreciate you sending that in. You know, it, it, it's a good, again, it's something we've mentioned in passing many times, but, but it's good to, uh, to get it out there as a tip. Lastly, uh, John, I want to talk about, this uh, case that I saw from LifeProof at uh, what was the last show I was that CES. And oh, I've gotten some of their stuff. Indestructible, right? Well, or so within, they claim for most of reason. their stuff. That's right. Yeah. LifeProof has this for the iPad. It's called the Nude Case. N U U D. Uh, and it is, it's an interesting case. In fact, I, they, they, gave me one and I put it on, uh, well, I put it on my son's iPad because he's had some problems lately with water and, and dropping and, and things like that. You know, he, his, his iOS, <laughs> you've put it on the iPod touch. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I only got it for the iPad, so I put it on his iPad. Uh, but this case, you, the first thing you do with this case is it comes with a, um, an insert that you put in it and then you seal the case up and you put it uh, under a foot of water and you hold it there for three minutes and you take it out, you dry the outside off and then you open it up and make sure there's no water inside. Uh, that's just to make sure all the seals work. Then you put your iPad in it and uh, and you can let your iPad go down six and a half feet uh, in a pool and you will be totally fine. It can also drop, I believe, four feet uh, and it will be totally fine and uh, onto the ground You know, obviously, if you're dropping it in a pool, there's no the the water lessens the impact. Uh, But uh, but, you know, we tested this thing and it works. What's cool about it. and It's kind of scary when you do it at first. But and I I believe this is why they called it the nude case is there is no um, there's nothing between you and the screen. The screen of your iPad is actually just right there. That's what you're touching. You can put a screen protector on if you want to do that. Uh, life proof uh, will only warrant it. If, if you put your own, put their screen protector on, cause they know that their screen protector works with their case. But it's very interesting not to have to go through like a, you know, a glass shield or whatever to, uh, to, to make this work, but it's got a seal around the edge of the screen. And uh, so you, you got your, your, your iPad screen. It feels great. Uh, so I, I thought it was pretty cool. And then they've got this thing for it. And, uh, I forget the name of it, but it's this big bumper that goes around the edge of it that floats. So you could actually be in the pool with your iPad and you know, you can splash it, but it'll float. Or it, if it, have, it happens to go underwater, it can go all the way down six plus feet, which for most swimming pools that, that people would have certainly at their homes would, would uh, that would cover it. So it's pretty cool. It's, uh, I think it's selling for a hundred bucks, but I just thought it was pretty, uh, pretty nifty and it's a relatively comfortable case to hold. My son, my son likes it. He still got it on there, and I I just put it on to test it and see. So it's fun stuff, right?
1: I uh, I'm questioning why you would bring your <laughs> Apple product <laughs> in the in the pool
0: with you. But hey, well, I'll
1: tell you where you I want. would
0: where I see a use case for this. I would put one of these on the maybe boat. during
1: bath. How about bath time? Okay, maybe to protect it during bath.
0: Well, actually, that's a great idea. Right. I mean, (laughs) I I guess, you know,
1: I'm just thinking, come on, man, if you're swimming in the pool or you're swimming in in the ocean or you're taking a bath, put the iPad away. That's right. But but no, they are so compelled to use it in a wet environment. It sounds
0: awesome. Well, but what about if you want to lay out by the side of the pool? And read on your iPad. Ah, one of the and one of those meddling kids does a cannonball next to you. Exactly. Now you're not worried about it. And or, you know, and especially (laughs) with the float uh, thing around the edge, I see that totally at the lake. You know, that's the big fear of having your iOS devices. You know, if you drop them, it's great to have a waterproof case. But, you know, the lake is deep, man. You're not going to find that thing at the bottom. You want something that floats. And, uh, what
1: you're not? Not even with find my iPhone, find my <laughs> dude. iPad, dude. <laughs> well, it'll say it's in the lake.
0: Well, maybe. I, I, I'm not sure you get a you get a signal out of that thing. At, you know, much much below about five feet down, or even then. So, <laughs> <laughs> where are we going with this? All right, I think it's time to wrap I think this. We're one up. going we're going to the end of the road. Yeah, but it's good to bring uh bring the band in.
1: Yeah, we All had right. it. Uh. Not too cold here. We hit the 50s today. There yeah. were people riding their uh, yeah. bicycles, and actually, I heard a few motorcycles out today. Oh, well, that's exciting. it was so balmy. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I like the motorcycles. I like the ones who uh, eventually will learn that, that a muffler is an important
0: piece of uh, <laughs> hardware. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, it's fun stuff, right? <laughs>
1: yeah, if it's over there, not if it's over here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. All right. All right. Uh, and that being said, how do you get in touch with us? Well Go ahead. we already mentioned the email address, Dave, feedback at MatGeekab.com. So we don't have to mention
0: it again, do we? No, we don't. Feedback at MatGeekab.com. That's where you send in your questions, your comments, your tips, your cool stuff found, and your contest entries if you're going to Macworld Expo and you want an iFan pass. And or Little Feet tickets and or Cirque du Mac tickets. Oh, Cirque de Mac. Yeah, that's right.
1: Um, yeah, so I will not mention, yet again, feedback at MacGeekgap.com for all those things. Because that would just be redundant. That would be
0: crazy. But you can talk about, uh, if you don't want to send us a comment that way, but you want to phone it in, you can call us, and and I have been waiting for this show for a long time, John, because yes. you call us at 206-666-GEEK, which John is 433. Three. Like it's which show 433. Three.
1: That's right. And then a five. <laughs> it took us this long to exploit that numerical anomaly, and now we can never do it
0: again. And now it's over. <laughs> That's right, boy. This was anticlimactic. I really, I've been looking forward to this for far too long for really? it to. Really, uh, because the try only be other this. we could
1: do is well, we three thirty-five.
0: Yeah, we that, long that ship ago. has sailed. That's right. How about six forty-three? Yeah, we're gonna have to. That's the next one. Yeah, I mean six
1: six six. Well, yeah, two oh six. No, six six six. That's that's way in the future. So I think six four three. Yeah. <sighs> gosh yeah all right you got a browser you know you can use that macgeekapp.com or well there there, there's some other things um oh i'm all over the place here so i could either mention our facebook site which is similar to the macgeekapp.com site but it's facebook.com
0: slash macgeekapp Facebook.com slash Mac Absolutely. Yep. And, uh, and of course you can find us on Twitter, Twitter.com slash Mac uh, for the show, uh, slash John F Braun for him slash Dave Hamilton for me and slash Mac Observer for all of the, uh, headlines from TMO. And, uh, and then of course you can visit us here at Matt slash stream when we are doing the show and we will announce that and, uh, not one, not two, but three places. Facebook, we announce it. And that's, that's really the best place because you can we, we set it up as an event so you can follow it. And if we happen to have to change the time, which we sometimes do, uh, then, uh, then you'll know. Uh, you can also check on Twitter because we'll post a tweet uh, about it and also when we're doing it. And then lastly, but not leastly, the Mac app iOS app. In addition to letting you be able to listen to the show comment on the show send in feedback audio comments all of that stuff you can listen to and chat in the live stream when the show's live and we will push a push message push message to you through the app so that you know when we're going to do it and John I think that's it I think that's it
1: <laughs> I'm excited I'm starting to get the uh, the uh, uh, email is, is starting to uh, predictably fill up with the last minute uh, please meet with me at Mm-hmm. macworld IWorld. world, I world. <laughs> yeah that's right that's right yeah uh, i've I'm gotten a- some of those like like one or two days before oh hi yeah by the way can, can we meet? Uh, whatever that's fine i don't know about you but i've i've given up on like scheduling things unless it's very special i just yes. kind of roam about yes if i make a note of okay i got an email from them from them from them and okay yeah I'll stop. I'm like, "All right, give me you know, 30 seconds. I'd love doing this. You know, I learned this actually in presentation uh, class, but I'm like, give me the headline." I'm serious. Yeah. I'm like, "If if you can tell me in 30 seconds what's what's important or cool about your product, then I'll listen some more. Otherwise, if you can't, then then yeah, I'm a busy guy. Seriously, the
0: beauty of the elevator pitch. But, you know, that that being said, uh I do do some pre-show research because there are some people that are developing awesome stuff that have no idea how to talk about their stuff. And sometimes, not always. No, but sometimes those are the coolest apps you're going to find, uh, or devices or you know co- coolest widgets you're going to find. So sometimes it is worth digging a little bit deeper if you get that, you know, I I trust my gut on those. Like wait a yeah. minute. No, you know what? You might be bad at talking about this, but that doesn't Well, you know, mean you're you're, your you're right. Bad. You're
1: right. I've met yeah, I've met, and I'm a developer, so I, I know this. But I've, yeah. I've met developers who talk about it from a developer standpoint. Correct. And it's like you gotta put on the marketing hat or the sales hat or yeah. the just a different hat. But yeah. you know, but m- normal people don't care about the development process or or the challenges that you've had to overcome. They're like, well, what's it gonna do for me? But that's what we and do I think with in the general. Shows. That's And I think in general, that's what Apple does. They're like, you know, technology, that's secondary. It's like, how can this improve your life or, or make it more fun or more interesting? Yeah.
0: Wow! Yeah. Cool. <laughs> okay, right. and uh, and I do want to mention Cirque du Mac. We do have uh, we have our sponsors that make that party possible because too many of you come. Uh, so it's, and that's not a bad thing. Um, it, you know, we used to be something small enough where we, we could fund it ourselves. That changed a long time ago, and it I, wouldn't be possible <laughs> without these sponsors. So I like the fact that because I remember some of the, the past venues. Yeah, yeah. We, we we overflowed. Oh yeah. Well that way it had to grow. You know, we had to start small and we're and, growing. And grow and grow and and grow. That's awesome. Yeah. No, so uh, so smile, uh, Garmin, Squarespace, Merlin from Project Wizards, Movie Tracker, which is an app written by a uh Matt Keekem listener uh, at movietrackerapp.com and Lantronics, the makers of Xprint Server. So again, that's Smile, Garmin, Squarespace, Project Wizards, Movie Tracker. And Lantronics uh, are the major sponsors of Cirque to Mac. We're getting some help from IDG, uh, from Paul, uh, who was here before, and also other world Computing as well. So thank all of them, please. And thank your, uh, your Mac Geek Hub sponsors, because uh, that's, you know, that's what makes this show possible. Of course, we've got BB Edit from Barebone Software, right? We've got uh, Text Expander from Smile, so they're sponsoring both Cirque and uh, the show. Gazelle has helped sponsor the show and Squarespace sponsors Cirque and the show. We've got Squarespace coming up uh, with their full ad in the next show. We'd like to thank Michael Johnston for converting this to AAC as he always does. And uh, of course, Cashfly, dot ycom for all our bandwidth. And that, that does it for another week here. Thanks for hanging out with us in the chat room. Thanks for listening to the show. Thanks for doing all that you do because we couldn't do this without you. And we really do appreciate it. John, any last words of, uh, what do you have to say? <laughs> what I have to say is, you better
1: not get caught.
2: Made up.